Hello, and welcome to the Moving Stevens Point Forward podcast, a podcast focused on the community of Stevens Point in central Wisconsin. Your host, John Yeager, will discuss the amenities, community events, businesses, and groups that make central Wisconsin unique. Thanks for listening, and be sure to spread the word about our podcast. And now, on to today's show. Good morning. Welcome to the podcast. This is John with Point Forward Physical Therapy, and today I am talking to Caitlin Yenter. Good morning, Caitlin. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Now, tell us about you. How are you from town? How did you end up here in the first place? And give us a little background, if you would. Sure. So I was born and raised in Stevens Point area. And uh, I went to school through the whole Catholic school system, St. Stan's, up through St. Pete's, Pacelli. And um, my family is still here as well. So I have kind of planted my roots here. So you're a townie. I'm a townie. I'm a local Wisconsinite, as good as it gets. Yep. <laughs> Fish fries and all? Fish fries and all. That's right. If you need any recommendations, I know the best spots. <laughs> <laughs> so with all of your schooling, you then, so you went to Pacelli, you said, mm-hmm. and then from there... You you went to Marquette? Yep. I went on for my undergrad for nursing, my BS in nursing through Marquette University. Um, and that was four years. And then I returned to Stevens Point and started working um, for one or two years. But I actually originally was thinking I'm going to go in then to uh, public health for my master's. And um, then I changed gears and I thought, well, actually, I really want to keep it broad and go into family practice. And so that's when I, um, enrolled at UW-Madison, wanted to stay local as a badger again with my roots planted. And I went for my DNP. So that's the doctor of nursing practice. Mm-hmm. And it's very similar to the nurse practitioner degree. Um, it's a little bit longer of a program, but really what it stands for in a one minute elevator speech is that, um, the latest programs in nurse practitioner schools were finding more and more research and data and information that students had to learn. And so they extended the program to have doctorates or DNPs take all this new evidence that was being generated about health and how to better treat patients and then transition that into care. So, you know, we had all this new knowledge of how to treat people, but it wasn't being used. So the DNP role really takes the basic nurse practitioner role and then teaches those um, leaders in healthcare to bring evidence into practice so that when we are treating patients, we are using the latest forefront knowledge um, about the best evidence, how to have the best patient outcomes, really. So when you started with nursing, mm-hmm. what was your favorite part of that? And what led you to think I want to steer away from the Masters of Public Health and into the DNP. Into the DNP, yeah, in family practice. So um, there was a turning point. I remember when I was in clinicals for nursing um, in Milwaukee that I went into a patient room um, and I had seen a really, I mean, the, the person was really ill. And I remember my preceptor and other students standing there. And I remember thinking, how in the world am I ever going to be able to take care of this patient if I don't know everything possible to take care of them? And it was at that point that I'm like, I do not want to practice unless I can know everything to best help my patients. And so I actually felt vulnerable. I thought, how how can I do the best job possible if I don't have the best knowledge? And that's when I had decided in undergraduate to go on um, for an advanced degree um, for my doctorate. And then as my husband will tell you, I'm addicted to school. <laughs> so then I decided to go on for um, 
a family um, nurse practitioner certification as well through Marquette. So I went to Marquette for undergrad, went back to Madison for my doctorate, and then back again for my master's to Marquette. Um, And that really was because my patients that I was seeing, my doctorate was in adult and gerontology. So I have a specialization primarily from 18 years um, till death, so teen till tomb, (laughs) we joke about. Um, And then my patients are saying, can you please see my kids? Can you see the whole family? And that's what really um, pushed me to go back for my additional certification. So now I'm able to see all ages, um, all the way from, you know, a couple days old, all the way till um, death, really. So. And do you have a favorite age group in there? Honestly, I appreciate every single age. I think there's so much fun about brand new little babies, um, all the way to learning from our um, centurions, you know, we've got really old patients, 90, 100, over 100. And I think that that is really special too, and everywhere in between. So with you going back and forth between Madison and Marquette, mm-hmm. when it comes to fill out the bracket every spring, which way do you <laughs> lean? <laughs> My husband and I debate about that. But, um, you know, I'm always, honestly, I, I'm going to have to say it that I'm a Marquette fan. <laughs> My roots hold there too, so... It's always fun to, um, you know, hoorah, rah, Marquette. <laughs> yeah. Well, being a grad myself, when I fill the bracket out, and my basketball knowledge is horrible. Uh-huh. Like the staff widely knows that if they're going to put the bracket up, John will just donate. Right. Like, I, it's, I'm not, I have no, <laughs> no prayer of winning, and I understand that. Right. And it always comes out now. If Marquette goes against Madison, Marquette always comes out. You know, just never. <laughs> I'm really sorry for all the UW people, but. In the end, it doesn't matter. But oh my gosh, yeah, same here, same here. And I'll admit too, I'm not the most up on sports, but definitely, um, it's a good time going to those basketball games. So. Yeah. So, um, tell me about the hardest part about your job. Sure. So I think the hardest part um, would be that I really like to take time with my patients and actually have personalized care. So I like to talk about their families and the latest, you know, cooking recipes or how to best garden and really know my patients. Um, but I'll admit that there is more and more pressure to see patients faster. So I do put that out there that patients, we do not like going fast either at all. We love to spend time with you, but there is, a, you know, a little bit of a business component to healthcare, and we we do um, are pressured to see people faster. So that will be the hardest is finding a good balance where you can still maintain that quality, individualized care, yet keep up with the demand of how many more people really need to be seen within our system. Well, and the, I mean, it's just been amazing to see both with the population aging, just generally. Um, but just the number of healthcare facilities, we have so many facilities sure. that that also seems to, to the productivity seems to be a, something that gets pushed out there for Definitely. us as providers. So mm-hmm. um, let's talk about like what motivates you to go into the clinic every day? Like what makes you just like, oh, I get to go today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the thing that really makes me enjoy my job are my patients. So... Um, yes, we've got a computer that we hold in front of our faces half the time, but that's just to keep up. But what we really enjoy is coming in to see our patients. And, uh, again, I mean, knowing that people are somewhat depending on me or counting on me makes me show up to work every day. And I've gotten to know their families and a lot of patients are more like friends to me and I do not want to let that go. Um, 
Also, it really helps to have a great team of people that I work with, you know, all the support staff, medical assistants, nurses, um, as well as physicians and other uh, nurse practitioners. So I, they are a fantastic team that I work with, constantly um, supportive of me. And really, I don't see anyone that I work with as kind of a totem pole model. I think everyone is really essential to working together as a team. So I can't say enough about the people that I work with. So as a, a now do you, are you referred to typically as Dr. Yenter or how, how is your title? Sure. So work? technically it would be Dr. Yenter, but I really like to introduce my patients as Caitlin, you know, sure. I am Caitlin. <laughs> so are there, do you find there's any misconceptions or misunderstanding about you as a, a, a doctor of nurse practitioner? I don't think I got that right. Yeah, no, you did great. Yeah, a lot of people joke. It's like, are you a doctor nurse, doctor nurse? And, you know, kind of I am. So really um, what I would like to clear up about the nurse practitioner degree in general or DNP, that entire realm, uh, is that that group of healthcare leaders is really a, an independent um, leader in healthcare. So um, in many states, uh, you need no physician overseer that we can practice independently. We can order lab tests, x-rays, MRIs, CT scans. Um, we can do uh, procedures. Um, so we can have our whole, whole own panel of patients that we see for their annual checkups as well, um, as well as acute minor things such as headaches or tummy aches, you know. So really uh, the scope of a nurse practitioner or DNP nowadays has stemmed from this tiny role way back even to Florence Nightingale time, and it has just um, boomed, you know. And with every big crisis or um, in history, such as even a pandemic, our role just keeps broadening and broadening to meet the needs of our population and, and really of healthcare that, you know, we need to open access to patients. So I guess my biggest message coming full circle is that nurse practitioners or DNPs, you know, um, are very reliable and educated professionals. Uh, we're not the same as a physician, but what I do like to boast is that I feel like we have a very good holistic approach to caring for patients. Um, medication is one important part, I suppose, to treating some patients if it's necessary, but really we look at people's lifestyles and their exercise, their diet, their sleep pattern, um, and we try and wrap all that into treating the whole patient. So Sure. So where... Now that you, you mean you've been here your whole life, mm -hmm. and we're considered rural. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's not tends to be, <laughs> to me. If I have a Walmart and a Target, it's no longer rural. Yeah. But I think the proximity to corn is maybe the defining <laughs> factor. But right. if there was something you could change about the rural healthcare setting, as opposed to some of the other settings you've seen in your training, mm -hmm. what would it be? Yeah, so I think that in the rural setting, what I would love to see in the future is broadening access to patients and bringing healthcare to them. So there are a few small programs out there, for instance, that, you know, there's uh, public health nurses that go into farmers' homes or um, farming families' homes to help educate them. But I want to see more, you know, easeability for patients, if that's such a thing, you know, where we, we can have maybe a mobile unit or a bus or a van or more, um, you know, events that really can bring these farming communities in together to not change their lifestyle, but have um, an acceptance of 
the latest and greatest with health to manage that. And so much in rural populations, we see obesity or COPD or lung issues because of farmer's lung and occupational exposures um, and high blood pressure. Because, uh, you know, growing up and family too, you know, I mean, we're meat and potatoes kind of a family. And it's really hard to restructure that. And having an understanding of what patients' cultural beliefs are and how they are raised is really important to motivation and change. And I don't want to take that away from patients, but rather if we can help patients understand in a positive way, you know, how we can alter those cultural um, beliefs uh, to improve their health long-term over generations, because it's not going to just happen overnight. And so, yeah, really just opening access and bringing healthcare to working families would be my, my biggest pitch, I would say. So with your patients that you see over the years, tell me about one that that really kind of touched you, like the situation was what it was, but it, you came away feeling different about it. Yeah, so that was a hard one. There's been a lot of great, great uh, memories with patients, uh, but one in particular was a patient who came to me and they said, something's not right. You know, I just, I don't know what it is, and I've been to so many specialists, I've been to doctors, physicians, you know, the top people, even at UW-Madison, they said, you know, they've been all around and no one can figure it out. And they're starting to think I'm crazy. (laughs) And, you know, so I sat and I talked with this patient and I listened to them. And long story short, um, we did various testing and we, we found out the answer to their problems. And that does apply to, I mean, in that patient scenario, they're there was, you know, issues with cancer and there were other patient scenarios where it was something totally different. But um, the biggest thing that patients really say to me is that I am able to stop and listen to them. And when many other people, multiple specialists and physicians haven't. And so um, I guess I just really was proud of that, that I could have such a good relationship with patients that they do feel heard. Um, Because I think that's essential to finding out what their patient goals are and ultimately helping them. Sure. And do you feel like, I mean, one of the things that I I wanted to ask you is what sets you apart from other providers. Do you feel like your ability to listen and connect with those patients is it? Yeah, I think that would be one of my biggest um, strong points is that I, I truly enjoy working with people and talking to them and understanding what their goals are. And um, past medical models or ways of treating patients, I think, you know, old school is you walk in a room, uh, a provider tells you, okay, you're going to take this and change that, and I'll see you in a year. And when I meet with patients, I really like to, you know, welcome them into the room, catch up on how their personal life is first, you know, touch base with them, and then talk about what their goals are for that day. And, if there is an issue or an abnormality that we find, for example, with their lab values or an x-ray, I like to talk about, okay, these are our options, you know, Uh, and I'm certainly glad to tell them what I would do if it was my family member, but ultimately what's going to help them is, you know, what, what's their priority. So is it just managing with conservative therapies, over-the-counter things, uh, ibuprofen, Tylenol, physical therapy, um, or is it important to them that they get surgery or get an injection, something like that? And so really having more of a discussion with patients rather than um, telling them how to treat their own health and really giving them, you know, empowerment to, to come up with their own informed healthcare decisions. So <clears throat> when you're trying to empower those people, 
you know, obviously you're going to want to give them the latest and greatest. What, how do you stay current? What do you do to, to really stay up on what's going on in the medical world? Sure. So, uh, typically every year we do, uh, CMEs. So ongoing, um, education, continuing education, and there's various seminars that we can attend. There's online training that we do, um, to stay current in our practice. And then kind of like we touched on before, you know, my DNP role specifically has taught me how to, um, do research and find the most reliable evidence on, what is proven to help people. And so on a day, daily basis in my care of patients, I am looking up the latest, um, you know, credible literature and articles that support how I'm choosing to practice and treat patients. So um, it's not only a annual thing with formal continuing education credits, but it is a daily basis that I am researching and looking up uh, the latest evidence and pulling that into practice. Yeah. And do you find that the patients are coming in more educated than ever because of their access to this, that kind of knowledge? Yeah, I really do. Um, you know, whether Dr. Google's helping or not. Um, I think, you know, I never want patients to feel ashamed that they're using Dr. Google. I, we do the same thing. You know, we want to know what's going sure. on. So yep. um, I think patients are more informed. And I've had patients come in with an accurate diagnosis. I think I've got this. Okay. I say that's a great starting point. I'd agree with you. Let's go from there. You know, so yeah, yeah patients are definitely more informed. So it's really been, I don't know if you've been able to see that in your career, but boy, it really has changed, you know, what I see in the yes. clinic, you know, yeah. where people, they come in with, I mean, they've got a ballpark idea, if not much more fine than that. And right. it's really, it's really interesting. It is. You know? It does. And sometimes they're right. And sometimes they're not, right. but it, uh, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. It makes it fun either way, I suppose. Yeah. So, so Google has changed our world a lot. Where do you see medicine going in the future? Do you think we're going to see any big changes in the upcoming years? I'm hoping so. I think that um, any change is slow, but what I see the future of medicine kind of holding is a lot more technology. So, um, you know, whether that's just in surgery, um, better equipment, things like that to improve patient outcomes and recovery times. Uh, or I really see a big future and more and more in our practice of genetics. So, you know, rather, for example, if a patient has anxiety and depression, instead of trying 10 different medications before they're on the right one, we're able to do a saliva swab and say, okay, here's a list of, you know, a green list. That means, yep, go on out, try any of these. This is a good match of medication for your genetic makeup or red list, you know, do not use those based on your DNA or genotype. So we are able to tell so much more and faster how to treat patients that is extremely, you can get more individualized um, than with genetic testing. And it's fairly affordable too. And so um, that applies to even, you know, food sensitivities and our diets and what foods are best for us too. So there is a lot more coming, I feel, with um, the use of genetics and um, individualizing care even more. What do you do for fun? I mean, it sounds like you're a chronic studier. <laughs> My husband has stopped that uh, forever now, but that's a good thing, too, because what we are busy with at home are my two kids. So I've got a two-year-old Aiden uh, and then a soon-to-be four-year-old Caleb. And so those two boys and my husband, the third child, no. 
<laughs> keeps me busy. And we, uh, family comes first, really, in our home. And we are avid outdoors people. So anything outdoors, that's where we'll be. So we love hunting, fishing, camping, gardening. Um, I'm still begging soon for my husband to maybe build an outdoor kitchen in the shed for a she shed so that I can be cooking outside even, you know, during the nice times of the year. So um, we love anything, you know, our family and being outdoors. So so do you, have, do you guys camp as a family then? We do. Yep. We go um, camping all over and then also um, hunting is a really big part of our lives as well as um, restoration of like soil and prairies and management of forests and things like that. So we're kind of hippies at heart. <laughs> now, did you grow up hunting? Uh, we, I did. Yes, I really did with my, my dad taught a lot to my brother and I. And then, um, when I met my husband and their family, it was uh, a whole new scale of hunting. So I do have to give my husband a lot of credit for all that I know for hunting. So, so yes. <laughs> Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to share, Caitlin, as far as um, about your practice? Yeah, I think the only other um, final input is that I'm still accepting patients. So okay. if anyone wants to come on over. Okay. And what's the best way to get on your schedule? Sure. So all they have to do is call over to the Marshfield Clinic Stevens Point Center right off of 66 and ask to set up an appointment to establish care with Caitlin Yenter. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Kaylin. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. Have a good day. You too. Today's show is brought to you by Point Forward Physical Therapy. Please share our podcast with your friends. If you'd like to schedule a time to meet with a physical therapist for a free injury screening, call us at 715-254-3978.